What is going on, listeners? I am your host, Jonathan Yamasaki for Go Entrepreneur Yourself. We are a podcast that brings you local entrepreneurs and leaders from around the country to share their story about adversity, triumph, and their business. Investing in the stock market can be intimidating and complicating, which is why CEO and founder Ken Musso is making it easier with Personify, a soon-to-arrive one-of-a-kind social investment platform where you can see what stocks your friends hold and trade weekly newsletters with stock picks, and educational resources to help investors at any level. Before we understand more about Personify, let's introduce our guest, Ken Musso, to our favorite segment, The Fast Five. So The Fast Five is just an icebreaker where we get to, the audience gets to know you a little bit more. So Ken, what is your favorite food in Arizona? Man, I'm pretty simple. So when it comes to to food, um, (laughs) so it's kind of difficult. Hmm. It would be terrible to say, like, you know, I, I like McDonald's and typical fast food like Taco <laughs> Bell. So I, I'm trying to think of something like original that's just here in Arizona. Okay. Hmm. Or favorite type of food. Ty, 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 favorite type of food would be Italian. Uh, oh. I, I love Italian. Anything pasta, uh, pizza, cheese. So big on yes. Italian. That's awesome. Next question. What is one thing you miss most since the pandemic, before the pandemic? Oh. Just, I think being being able to go out, having to drive out to actually uh, meet investors, meet partners uh, before the pandemic was kind of fun and exciting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. What were you listening to in your car before you got here? Oh, uh, I was listening to 101.5. Just, you know, just <laughs> yep, li- listen to hits. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You still listen to radio? Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then what is your favorite curse word? Oh, probably the F word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, taking the Lord's name in vain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then uh, what is your f- favorite thing about being a father? Uh, I, w- I would say just uh, be able to, to cuddle next to them and, you know, make them happy or just hearing them, you know, just uh, I got one that's about to turn two, hearing her say daddy. So uh-huh. that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Does uh does your does the mom ever compete where oh they're gonna say mom first before uh, dad? Yeah, she was a little competitive where both of them said mom <laughs> mama first. Oh, <laughs> yeah, but they're both daddy's girls. I mean, this is where uh, they're very attached, you know, to to me. That's great. Thank well, thank you for sharing that. That was the fast five. Awesome. Um, so tell our listeners about Personify. How did you get this idea for the business? So the idea didn't come organically. It did come through trials and tr- talking to users and testing things. So I, I got a, a finance background. I've been in the banking and financial industry for about 12 years now. And when when I looked to set out this problem or how I, I guess you say identify the problem was the people people lacked confidence in get, wanting to get into the stock market. And this is especially applicable towards millennials, which is our demographic. Before the pandemic, there was an estimate of anywhere between 70 to 80% of millennials don't invest in the stock market. And we just kind of dumbfounded me because I've always been intrigued by it. It's the it's a means of of an equalizer to people of all social classes and, and all backgrounds where anyone can be able to control their destiny. So setting out uh, to t- take, a, take a stab at it. I, I created one application where it went through almost similar to the process of a financial advisor and how we construct a portfolio. It's uh, you can find find the same strategy in ETFs, mutual funds, and just it's really about allocation. Mm-hmm. Now, when I tested it out with uh, 
with a few hundred people, I could easily tell they were confused. Uh, we want then an AI route. And then uh-huh. as we we're looking at the data and talking to them, we'll go, hey, what what do you do as far as your re- uh, as part of your research when it comes to investing? And the people, the most common answer, almost every single person said, I asked my friends. And, and I thought that was a, I thought that was the stupidest thing ever because I would never <laughs> ask any of my friends because yeah. I mean, this is what I do for a living. Yeah. <laughs> so we took a step back and sat down and said, okay, what is the data telling us? What can we do? And that's where Persona came about because it was all about the person. It's all about what they the investing, what they believe in, versus going to the the Wells Fargo's or the J.P. Morgan's or Morgan Stanley's of the world, where they provide you a cookie cutter portfolio. You can be able to invest on your own terms the way you like. So this is where we're like, okay, well, this is going to be going about based upon a community where confidence is based upon what people are doing and what they are saying. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. And then what inspired you beside, aside from like working in this industry? Yeah. What inspired me was what I identified as a key to wealth. So I, you know, everyone has their, their story where they, they came from, uh, I guess it's a cliche where you, you didn't come from much. I didn't come from much. My, my parents, they, they struggled to, uh, to learn or understand finance. And so to me, I didn't want to be, be just I didn't want to go through the same struggles they had mm-hmm. and so I, I chose this career path and the most common thing I had identified for people that had wealth and this is not making a lot of money because people that make you know there's, there's people that make great money out there but they're they're poor mm-hmm. uh, they struggle they still struggle financially but the most common denominator for people that had wealth is that they own something they own it. That that is the single that that is the key to all to, to wealth creation is ownership. Yeah, it is ownership through a house, through real estate, through a small business, or through individual stocks. And so, to me, it's like, okay, how can I break this? Where we break the the um, the cycles of poverty, and and to me. I, one, I can own my own business. So I was like, I'm not going to work for someone else. And then two, I can find, help people find ownership through the stock market and, and help them uh, break this, uh, th- this maybe their their family cycle or get out of their, uh, the challenges of their job where, right. yeah, it's not going to get them out through maybe this year or the next year. But soon enough, they will have the financial liberty of calling their own shots on their own terms right. and be able to provide for their family and through maybe generations to come. And I think it's important because like you mentioned, not a lot of millennials. I mean, now there's more millennials in the stock market because of a lot of things going on on social media and the news. But a lot of us weren't taught from our own families, especially like in in a lot of uh, people of color. They don't, our generations, they don't teach us or tell us that it's good to put your money in, in an investment fund. They They just say, you know, put it in savings, let it sit there yeah, for an emergency. It, it's kind of interesting with you saying that, put it into savings. And I feel like just, uh, I, I think it's kind of like similar to a startup where they're, I think they mean well, they're trying to teach you to be safe. But safety, what ultimately leads, and this is just my opinion, mm-hmm. but I feel very passionately about it. Safety uh, ultimately yields where failure so that's just where people that don't take risks in their life, through relationships, through jobs, or any any aspect through, through a sports, and in this case, even the stock market and your own finances, will never achieve the true goals or their fullest potential. Failure is an absolute necessity in order to, to mm. reach uh, 
reach your max capacity and and overcome the things that we really want to in life. Right. So when when they teach us savings accounts and you know going back to the firms, uh, investment firms, they go, oh, you know, retail investors they shouldn't be able to do this and do this. It's like I, I'm completely against that. Yeah, and I, that's important. Failing, I mean, I tell a lot of where I work, I tell a lot of my students, fail as many times as you can, absolutely, absolutely. because especially if you're in college. You have this cushion where if you fail, it's not going to impact your life as much as if you were fail to fail at a report or some something at at the job that you're doing. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's you know I wish I knew this going in, in, through college. Now I dropped out of college, and hopefully you know call, there's a few kids out there that will listen to this. But you, um, yeah, failing in college is is great. That's a great thing. Uh, failing at that time in life, I know it feels like it's going to be emotionally tough and it's going to be at the end of the world. But really, it's it's probably the best time to fail because you got that safety net. There's no real true consequences that will mm-hmm. really follow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know they don't think that, yeah, <laughs> and no. I didn't think that at the time. But really, it's like it's <laughs> going to be so minimal. A very minimal versus once you have car payments, you got a house and a mortgage, you got a family that depend upon you. Those consequences are, are you know very real, much yeah. more real than than going. Hey, my mom and dad are going to hate me, and everyone, my friends are going to think I'm a loser. Yeah. So, <laughs> so not because we're not a video podcast, we're an audio podcast for for the time being. Walk us through the app. Uh, what does it look like? And then what gave you that inspirational intentionality behind it of, of how people navigate through the application? Because I know you're, you're, you, have you released the app yet? So not yet. So we've gone through a few different iterations, small, small groups of testing. Unfortunately, development's always a challenge um, because technology is ever changing. And uh, two, it's, it's difficult to find reliable coders or co-founders. But the first iteration that we developed was very similar to Venmo, where it was just kind of stock trade alerts. And we actually got good sample data from it from about 40 to 50 beta testers, where it was very sticky. But the user behavior was was very telling because we thought that people were more interested in the stock trade alerts, but they were more more interested in kind of shopping through people's profiles. So we're like, okay, well, let's kind of build out that. So that's our current... um, uh, what it's currently going to look like now it's only a few weeks away uh, so we actually had a team call this morning so april 19th is when it's going to be let, uh, released on test flight we're, we're thinking about 50 to 100 people per week or per period of onboarding people it's going to look similar to twitter so i'll, I'll kind of tell you that plus nice. cool. pl- plus profiles yeah so uh, and the, the the reasons why we, we moved away from just the stock trade alerts was not only what people the the behavior, but also as you you know through our Facebook group, that uh, and what people cons- were constantly telling us is that hey they they were able to observe and pick up hey who knows what they're doing and what they're not uh, who knows what they're not doing not just by what they do, but mostly by what they say. It's like, you know when something's wrong, but you just don't know what it is. And you know what something's kind of right or kind of feel like something's right. So there's just something telling you. Um, so that that case, that's our next iteration of pushing that forward. A few weeks away, we should have it uh, on the iOS store in probably about a month. So wow. we're excited. And then um, obviously uh, trust and confidence is important with like bringing people to this new platform and mm-hmm. showing them oh this is something that it's it's going to work and people are going to this is going to be the new thing that people are going to be using 
What makes you all different? Um, because I don't know, and I want to mm-hmm. educate listeners. Yeah, yeah. What makes you different from like people that join a <clears throat> Discord oh, or yeah. like a private group where they're getting those text alerts or they're getting that Absolutely. group of other uh, people on that group on that list that are sharing their stock trades? They're sharing kind of just having fun talking with each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. So that's a, a really good question. So what sets us apart is that you have the unique ability. To, to actually look and verify what people are doing. <clears throat> and, you know, just uh, through case studies of talking to our earliest adopters and, and users, or potential users in this case, since it's not released, was they said, hey, I was in this Discord channel where I signed up for this website, and I'm listening to this person, but I'm like, they, they seem like they're a pro, but I don't know what they're doing. They're saying they're buying this, or I should buy this. I'm like, but... Do I really, really trust this person? <laughs> There's times where things fail and things work out, but I, I feel like I'm being led astray. And as we saw through the the Reddit rebellion, the Wall Street bets, you know, craze that just has been really taking a hold of uh, of young millennial investors, is that okay? Hey, I I, I was holding the line for Diamond Hands, mm-hmm. but am I caught holding someone else's bag? Yeah. <laughs> so there, there's ver there's the validation verification of hey, I put my money where my mouth is, right? And uh, it's not me just holding the line by myself. Yeah. And then do you personify? Where did you come up with a name? That's a that's a clever name. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, so we kind of got lucky uh, on the name. So we had something else. Uh, I'll, I'll even share it. People people laugh all the time. It was woke investing. So because uh, to me it was like <laughs> it was to me it was all about an awakening. I thought yeah, yeah. it would resonate <laughs> with young younger uh, investors. But talking to uh, a few consultants, they 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 begged me to change the name. They're like, hey, this is like if this trend or this uh, that terminology becomes no longer cool, your brand and your your business will die along with it hmm. and then one one of the consultants uh she was young she was really cool um very easy going she says hey just find two words and try to mingle it together or it means something so my whole thing was always like about the person and you know investing the way that represents them so i, I got i feel like it was inspiration i got lucky at the same time where i took personal finance and said okay well following her advice okay personify so I was like, okay, let's do that. And then I immediately text her, hey, what do you think of this? Boom. Like She's like, hey, that's it. It's like, go with that. That That's the name. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I even shouted to a, a marketing consulting firm. Now, they, they were extremely expensive. They were playing a little bit tight-lipped with me, but I could tell that they loved it. So I was like, okay, that's officially, here's the name. And I think we changed the, the name sometime late 2019. Yeah. It sounds very clean. It, it rolls off the tongue easily. Yeah. And I definitely understand woke investment. Like, yeah. think about it where you're looking at, like, people still doing the dap. It'll be that kind of feeling like, oh, they still use that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like, what is he doing? <laughs> That's so last year. And then, because I've, I haven't heard of anything else like this do you have any competition? Is there anything else like that, out, like this yeah, out here? Yeah, there actually, there are a few applications, so I won't name their names mm-hmm. just for means of not advertising them. So they're, what's so surprising, and hopefully this reaches um, reaches potential investors because we're, we're certainly currently trying to raise around, we've caught eyes of other competitors that have raised millions of dollars. And uh, we're, I mean, we've been able to move faster we're moving we're we're going to move faster than them we've got hacks we got 
Um, in fact, one of them has probably raised about 10 million and it's like, they're, they're actually behind us in a few iterations. So in fact, I, I don't know what their user count is, but I suspect we have more users on our waiting list than they have actually using their application. So it's a means of us actually just releasing and in a few months we'll, we'll be able to surpass them. So this is just where, you know, we're, we're hitting the ground running. We're trying to raise uh, some capital. We're not looking to raise exactly you know, millions of dollars, but I feel confident um, that due to our speed of execution that we should be able to overcome them. Right. How did you fund this in the beginning? I'm assuming maybe you some of your some of your money from your pocket. Yeah, yeah. So it's a combination of uh, friends and family, and and through also my own pocket. So I was lucky enough where I made good money when I was working at Merrill Lynch. So I had uh, a good amount of savings. Um, you know, some of that savings has definitely been exhausted. And then I had a, I owned a second house, and so I sold that, and that's been getting me by as well. And then also through just the the monetization, as you know, through the, the newsletter that we have for our Facebook group was also something that's been also helping pay for development, pay for uh, attorney fees, pay for marketing and uh, graphics designers. So that's that's been a huge blessing for, for us as well. Yeah. And then uh, I want to kind of give our audience a little background about the Facebook group. Yeah. Um, so it's Let's Trade and Invest Together. Yeah. When I first joined, I think there was only, um, I think there was only like it was less like, than a thousand. Yeah, it was probably I first a few joined. hundred, yeah. <laughs> and then like, and I heard it from a friend who had another friend that was on there who would, who uh, I was good friends with and, and they kind of just shared with me, oh, check it out. This is a cool platform if you're like interested in learning about the stock market yeah. and just chatting with friends. Um, and they're really nice. It's not like, you know, like Reddit yeah. forums or anything oh, like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I hear <laughs> so, you. So then... Uh, I decided, decided to give it a try, and then that's when I saw like this thing where uh, it's it's a group who's actually like getting all these people to rally together to show that anyone can invest. So, how did you all go from increasing Boom. from one thousand to now like fourteen thousand followers? Yeah, how I did am. you get that? that rally behind you. Yeah. So this is just where a part of it was the community vibe and, you know, really helping them. Uh, I think also it, um, a lot of it came a competitive edge was because of our background in finance. This is where, as you know, me, Chris and Dan, uh, who help run the group, given that we've worked at you know firms like Merrill Lynch, Charles Schwab and Vanguard and act, have real expertise in this. So this is not like we're, we're smarter than everyone, but you see some of the social media influencers and other people that run groups, they know they've read a good few good books, but they've never been behind on the other side of the screen. They've never actually managed uh, people's monies or traded. So their, their knowledge is limited. This is where I've probably handled more transactions in probably a few weeks than they probably had their, even their entire life of their own portfolio. So this is where that being able to go now, well, you, you kind of kind of understand and balance balance out the rationale a little bit better than other people, I think, was able to attract more people going, hey, yeah, because I was told this. And, and I'm like, yeah, that's kind of true, but kind of not. And this is the reason why. And just I think people saw the results not only from what we're saying, but also applying our, our knowledge was was very helpful. And then I think lastly, too, we do have a few a few growth hacks. This is where we do believe, and I feel this in, in 
strong about this, that once we release this app after May, by before the end of the year, I, I do believe we'll have a few hundred thousand uh, people on the application mm. and even even maybe even a million users. We have a few growth hacks that are incredibly potent. Just it, it is it is so effective. It, it'll make you fall out of your seat. So it's, it's, it's that killer where I could, uh, within, you know, just even just this morning, I uh, just 30 minutes, I was able to put an extra hundred people into our Facebook group. Mm. Um, just, so we, we've kind of been chilling out on it. Now we're, we're getting ready to ramp things up. Just watch. We'll, we'll put easily 20,000 people into, uh, well, excuse me, another 6,000 people in the group before the end of this month. Yeah. And then, uh, because the, feel free to share whatever you'd like on the podcast, but, uh, what do you mean by growth hacks? Yeah, if you yeah. can't explain what exactly you're doing, maybe giving some sort of idea yeah. for, for those that are also wanting to maybe build a following. Yeah, yeah. So uh, just, you know, if there's anyone that's looking to start a business or get into a, a tech startup like myself um, or even angel investors that are listening, they, they understand that in order to start a business, you've got to have a competitive advantage mm-hmm. and... Um, it really make yourself defensible. And one of the ways mechanisms that you can make yourself defensible against competitors is be able to outgrow them. So you got to find out means to grow faster where it relies either on little or no capital. So mm. this growth hack, in other words, is that we we got, in fact, we got three where one of them, um, <laughs> it's, it's, it just makes me laugh to even think about it. We do a a few things, and I won't say what it is, just for the sake of us maintaining this this edge over our competitors. But we we could literally just go, and within thirty minutes, we could just one person alone just doing this could put a few hundred people into our Facebook group. Very little effort. It's so funny. It's bad. It's really bad. And we're we're literally about to put ten people. Um, to start doing this over the next few days and few weeks. So we're, we're actually having a team meeting going, okay, is it, t- let's turn on the growth again. Is it as ridiculous as, so I don't know if you know about like Airbnb startup, but they mm-hmm. actually invested their money or they invest, they, they got money originally to start the business from selling um, Obama O's, yeah, cereals yeah, yeah. from like oh, yeah. during the campaign. Um, so is it something as ridiculous as that or is it just... I would say it's uh, yes and no. So the, the Obama O's and Captain uh, Captain McCain's were a means of survival. I, I definitely applaud the founders of, of of Airbnb. God, it's like just hearing the stories gave me like ulcers <laughs> just because it was like they're near death like a you yeah, know true. a billion times. I mean, just like most startups. But um, with ours, it's not a means of survival. It's a means of uh, to grow. So this is where we're not on the defense, but this is our offense. And our good offense just happens to be part of a defense. I, th- I still think it's just amazing how from the newsletter yeah. and having your website up that people are buying. People are, yeah. are, are seeing, kind of feeling the FOMO, yeah. fear of missing out on what they can gain from hearing other people's stock picks and then what what's in your mind. So how did you gain this credibility getting these people to to buy into the newsletter and then to trust you and your advice? Yeah, the uh, the newsletter was inspired out of just r- really a need. This is where um you know as as you kind of mentioned on here we got about 14,000 members within the group, but once we got even even before we got to 1,000 people, 
Yeah, actually, I think we were a few thousand people at that point. It was just too much where I'd wake up, you know, 630 in the morning. I got I got about 20 to 50 different messages and then 100 people are attacking me as far as for help. And I I spend my whole whole day just answering those questions. Now, answering those questions was a huge help because that's what people go, yeah, this guy, yeah, he's he's worked as a pro and they're inviting their friends, they're nice, which is also, you know, great. And then it's it was to the point where I'm like I can barely even research my own stocks. I can re- barely even keep an eye on my own yeah. portfolio. So this is where let's just spill it out, all my ideas out through a newsletter. And because I'm spending, you know, I, I spent you know just last weekend, you know, I spent about eight hours, maybe eight to nine hours total on it. Just mm-hmm. just just research. That that's just the research part. Yeah, and so this is where I spend a whole day now as part of my process. In that case, it makes me work a little bit more effectively, and this is where it's helping uh, helping us help more people. So that's the the great thing about it. I think I think that's brilliant. You kind of find another way to. I think the entrepreneurs are constantly trying to find other ways to monetize their business yeah, yeah. and try to like help any way they can. So for an aspiring entrepreneur. In let's say here in Phoenix, just to keep it local for now, what can they do if they have an idea for a tech startup? Where can they go to maybe reach out to angel investors if they don't have that connection? Yeah, the, the best thing to do is not to re- reach out to angel investors. You'll okay. believe that you'll the 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 best thing to do is really to do it. I mean, just like he, the the name of this podcast, mm-hmm. um, people. It's so easy for people just to talk about their ideas and never do it. And that's this is where that's what's going to separate you from the others and that's what's going to attract you know money will hopefully you know we haven't been great at fundraising (laughs) but this is where we've been able to raise some money from friends and family because of our execution Um, we got accepted accepted into an incubator and accelerator program which is all which is also helpful so but the best thing to do is to think about and you, you can definitely do this there's a free way to create your app and figure a way to do it. So our app, so instead of me paying coders tens of thousands of dollars to develop it, uh, our proof of concept was our Facebook group. Are people willing to share their trades? And the fact, at first, when we had the first few hundred, it was absolutely, people were posting their trades, people were talking about it. People were, what was considered taboo was just displayed out in the open. So we're like, okay, well, we validated that. And now we are, we, we proved it. There's, there's no doubt behind it. Now our monetization, we've also proved as well, which is also great. So it's it just, it's all about validating. And this is where angel investors, when they look at you, they always say, and we hear this on Shark Tank, they look at the founders, they look at the team. They, they want to judge you about how witty you are and how, how much grit you have. And they're going to see your story through your execution. Like, what did he do? And if you're witty enough and savvy enough to create means of creating your product where there's a free version, then that's great. And going back to the Airbnb example, it was a crappy website. They met with the people there and exchanged the keys in person. Yeah. And for cash, it, it, it was there was nothing there was nothing sexy or cool about that. <laughs> it was very very low tech and it was air mattresses. <laughs> so, yeah. but they they validated it. it was like are people willing to share their house and, and, and for money, and are people able are willing to rent a stranger's bedroom or house for free? And they proved it, and that's right. the whole that is the product. 
Uh, that's incredible that you mentioned that. And now that I think about it, it, it is taboo. You know, you talk to people and, oh, what are you trading? What are you investing in? No. And they don't really like to share that information. No. But for people who are maybe hesitant, like, are you trying to reach out to everyone where people who are maybe a lot older who are who, who don't like to share that information? How, how do you like? market to one like that because i feel like millennials maybe will feel more open to that yeah gen z but older generations are definitely um apprehensive about sharing that information in fact it was uh this is something that was super super annoying i i actually literally had someone sign up for the beta knows what the the product is and it was like I don't want to share my information. I'm like, well, what the fuck did you sign up for? Dude, 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 dude. It was, a, it was some damn boomer. I'm like, dude, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, like, yeah. You're, wasting, you're wasting my fucking time. And like with a limited spot. So so boomers are, are definitely apprehensive to that. And this is where it, it's a generational thing. Yeah, yeah. Another funny story I'll, I'll even say is that there was a, a marketing consultant that wanted my business and to help me. And of course, of course, she generates money from it. And she's she was a boomer too. And when I told her my business, she 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 was laughing. She was like, "What people share that?" And it was like, uh, "Obviously, that relationship didn't work out." Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like if you don't believe my product, then I'm not, I'm not going to hire you. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think things are changing because I mean, back then, like even now, you see, you go to apply to different companies, and some of them right off the bat they share the salary because it's like why why not be transparent now. Like, yeah. let people know what they're getting into. I, I never understood why it was taboo. I, I can understand from a security standpoint, and I don't want to yeah. get into that just because I don't want to give listeners an idea. It, you know, things you learn as far as tricks from working on the bank side. <laughs> but um, but really, I never understood. I'm like, okay, well, if I buy, buy, say, McDonald's stock or Walmart, it's like, I don't care. It's like we we brag about the cars we buy, we brag about the house, the <laughs> shoes, where we shop. I'm like, why is this any different? In fact, mm. this is something you should brag about. This is cool. This is ownership. This is all about our mindset mm. and what social media is about is that people love to brag about themselves becoming better, especially becoming better. Yeah. This is something that we should be able to share. And it's a great positivity to social media, which social media is definitely in the need of more positivity. Mm -hmm. And then because to me, this sounds like a very, this sounds like the beginning of a popular new sort of social media wave. Like this, this sounds like something that could really pop off with our generations how much traffic can someone gain from a similar tr- uh, platform? I'm not sure if I understand the question. Yeah. So, are like, so, so are you meaning as far as like one user, how much like a followers they can they can be able to grab, or are you talking about like not the user, your your, your platform? Like, if someone oh, was to create yeah, yeah. something like this, what's that potential? I know you mentioned earlier. Oh, we can probably get yeah thousands. Yeah. So we'll. So this year, you have to kind of go back on that. We we do believe. You know that we'll we'll be able to hit uh, hundreds of thousands of users on onto the application, and then we we do believe that there is a total addressable market of about sixty million uh, people. Now we're not going to grab all of that. That's just here within the U.S. Um, we are expanding into another uh, by other means because this is where uh, angel investors and uh, VCs they want to be able to target. Um, they want to see that there's other means to tap into other markets and make make sure that you're a unicorn. So that means they're going to make them uh, turn it into a multi-billion dollar company. So I, I don't want to get into that too much to give, uh, give away, uh, but 
we have uh, already other features already built out mm-hmm. that, um, and are being built out to be able to help us tap into a larger demographic. But we do want to have about tens of millions of users within as little as three years. And then um, aside from the Facebook group, I was hearing that you were reaching out to like a marketing expert to help you reach out to yeah. more people. Now, are you doing that to reach out to more investors or are you doing that to reach out to like audiences? Yeah, more users. So this is where we are monetizing already. One thing that's that sucks about being here in Arizona is just the, the incredible disadvantage you have. And so this is hopefully if people are listening to here in Arizona, um, I, I know that there's people that will disagree with me, but I, I can tell you from experience and from talking to other founders, nothing's further from the truth. If you don't live in California or major tech hubs or cities like Denver um, or Chicago or Austin's, you know, growing right now and Miami's growing as well, mm-hmm. you are at, at a major, major disadvantage. This is an insider's game. This is a game of who you know. 80% of uh, of startup money comes from San Francisco and about half of that uh, is is sent to startups just within their Bay Area. So that, there's no way that you can say 20 square miles, whatever it is, the size of that city has all has makes up half of the great ideas. So nonetheless, you're going to have to figure out how to network and just and really prove yourself. So we're trying to prove ourselves through execution versus trying to grow. And, so the, and that goes back to the, my, my frustration. It's like, how are these competitors able to raise millions and millions of dollars where, I mean, they're literally going to be behind us in a few months. I mean, we got the app done. This is where I can't show it to you now, but we were playing around with it this morning. It's actual code. You can even call it maybe an alpha at this point. So a what? An alpha. So alpha means just internal testing. Yeah. yeah okay. Then we're going to go to the beta and then this is where we're, we're about to release it to the masses. So in just a few months. I, I can see the entrepreneur spirit in you, yeah. obviously through doing this business and even before. I want to ask questions now about like your leadership, but also like your like getting more into the getting giving tips to like yeah. aspire entrepreneurs and, or people that are in, students that are in college wanting to start their own business. What what entrepreneurial hacks have you developed to stay focused and productive in your day to day? I think writing out your schedule. So it's very, it's very, very easy to get off, off task. This is where I, I can easily get distracted as far as emails or phone calls or a, a, a customer problem or this extra project I wanted to do. But having your pl- your day planned out ahead of time is certainly helpful. Um, having a calendar that you can go to and stick into it. This is where, and I, this is where I, I probably need to even improve on this. But um, I I would highly, highly, highly recommend having a, a, a calendar that's written out and you write down, okay, 7 o'clock, workout, 8 o'clock, you know, breakfast, you know, 10 o'clock, uh, call this person, 11 o'clock, I work on this. And devote that time only to that. Now, this is, of course, you don't have to stick to it, but you will see that your execution is is far greater when you're doing that versus you sitting down at your computer or your desk or where, wherever it is that you work and think that you're going to wing it. You're going to wing it and before you know it, your idea is changing, your tasks are changing and you never actually have any direction. So that that's uh, that's certainly one, one thing. And then I would say the next thing is just being a doer. I mean, there there's so... I, I hate to sound like... Um, 
I sound like um, I'm pessimistic towards people, uh-huh. but there's so many talkers and not enough <clears throat> doers. Yeah. It's, I, I've met so many people and they, they talk and they talk and it's like, God, it's like by the time you were done talking, you've got to accomplish all this. And this is like, you know, months go by. Now, it's easier said than done, but being a doer versus a talker mm-hmm. um, is another another big thing. When the odds are stacked against you, like how do you overcome these challenges? What do you, maybe you could even give us examples from when you were working with Personify. That is, yeah, I can probably give a, a hundred that's well I, I would say it's going to be part of the process of becoming an entrepreneur um as being like is being tested and where everything's stacked against you things are always going to be stacked against you so it's never going to let up and the I, I like to use this analogy uh often is you think about when cortez he first came to the americas and instead of you know the first thing he did is he had all of his men get off the ship and they sunk the ship mm-hmm because there's only one way to win. And to me, I'm a, I'm a true believer in that. Now, I'm not saying like, you know, for kids that are in school to drop out of school or burn all your bridges. <laughs> yeah. No, but by all no means. But um, you you have to be 100% in. There's no such thing as 99 or 90%. Those people that have safety nets and go, hey, have this plan B, if you will, mm. uh, that's outside of the business. Not, not plan B for your for your business, but plan B outside of the business, whether it's like, hey, well, I got my day job. You are setting, you're hedging against yourself and people that hedge against themselves and their business ultimately fail. I, mm. I'm a really, now there are certainly exceptions to that, but I'm a, for a person that wants to get into a startup, especially a startup, um, and I've seen this with so many other people that are, are doing startups, is that when they hedge against themselves, they have something to fall back upon where they're doing part-time uh, school part-time or uh, doing their startup, their business part-time or doing uh, something, just anything where they're only working on it full, uh, part-time. Mm-hmm. There, there are going to be times where like you have fights with your partners, investors pull out, you have a major problem, someone's suing yeah. you. There, there's something to that nature, and it is going to be super easy for you to go, I quit. I'm going to take a week off. We're going to take a day off yeah. and step aside versus, you know, I'm in a spot where it's do or die. So it's like, to me, it's like kill or be killed. I have, I have to do this. Yeah. And I think that happened a lot during the pandemic. There was great businesses that were starting up and doing things during that time. Um, I mean, I've met a lot of friends that have that started a little side hustle and now yeah. they're making it into a full-time thing. Yeah. Um, so I think that's great advice, you know, just giving your hundred percent on something that you really want to pursue. Yeah. Now, now a side hustle, I, I would like to say is different. So side hustle, there, there, there are certainly businesses that can be, and I would certainly recommend part-time because they can grow organically. There's no need to take that risk. Right. But I'm spe- speaking very specifically towards okay. like tech tech startups. Yeah. So because uh, tech startups, like we're doing with Personify, it requires, it, it just, there's just even 40 hours, you can accomplish so little because it's like you're learning, you're learning so much. I mean, like, I didn't know how to run payroll or HR. Now I'm, I'm having to learn it. I, I didn't know how to, how to draft documents and what documents I need it for employees or investors. 
And, and so it requires a lot of your time sitting down and learning all this or PowerPoint and, and so yeah. other 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 applications to make just the operational side function. Mm. And then maybe a lot of people, especially young entrepreneurs, people think that it's it's really sexy being an entrepreneur. Oh, What's man. the real and raw truths about it that that make it very difficult where a lot of people fail? Yeah, I, I think it's just people get ca- caught up in the glamour. It's, you know, to me, it's uh, my my whole life uh, philosophy was try to be mediocre and try to skate by. I know that sounds like very odd, but I even <laughs> wrote a college paper on that. I just want to skate by in life. And then I just, I realized there's no such thing as, ska- you know, uh, ska- skating by. So to me, yeah. I wasn't, I was never attracted to glamour or fame. I, I don't care for that. So to me, I just want to be left alone. It's uh, yeah. just my whole philosophy. So like, you know, just, you know, to get good enough grades just to so the teacher or your parents leave you alone. Just do enough, just get enough jobs so and my boss leaves me alone. But um, it was just exactly that is that you go work for a corporation, they never leave you alone. Just, you know, Joe Rogan, I'm sure like you, I don't know if you listen to his podcast, yeah. but it was, it was just so great. It, like, uh, and I don't watch, you know, a lot of podcasts, but someone shared it with me where he says, it says like they're the best day is when they're on the shitter and they're on their cell phone. And I was like, God damn, that's so right. It's like, God, my, my, and I'm questioning not, lives. Yeah. Problems. <laughs> Hopefully you don't mind me swearing that, you no, know, that's fine. That's fine. But God, but God, it was like, I, I was a top producer at my firm and they never, they're always bugging me about this and this. And I'm like, what the fuck are we doing here? It's like they're they're You could do literally a perfect job, but the whole business, uh, the corporate mindset is like, what can we improve on? And if there's nothing to improve on, they will find something. They will even make something up to, to improve on. They will literally make something up. <laughs> they will, your, your middle management, corporations waste so much money on, on middle management. They call themselves babysitters because they are. They have nothing to do. Mm-hmm. And for job security, they're making things to do. They're like, they're trying to get on you about something because a lot of these uh, managers are bosses. That's what they are. They're not leaders. They're bosses. So they will they will make something up. They will fire. Unfortunately, it does come to be people being fired for it, what I, I believe is nothing. So what uh, attracted me, going back to your original question, to doing this was the fact of being left alone, uh, I was never attracted to glamour, but it is it is emotionally and mentally the most, by far, probably the most difficult thing a human being could ever do. I, I certainly wouldn't recommend uh, recommend it, and I cert- certainly wouldn't recommend it alone. And I, I think that, I mean, there are mornings and days and nights where I can't sleep. There are mornings I don't want to get up. Um, it, it's like, you know, I don't want to look at the stock market. I don't want to, you know, talk to this person, you know, about this or, you know, text this person to follow up on this because you're look at a lot of times you're looking at, uh, especially my situation, you're, you're looking at death. You're looking at the failure of your business and your, your business it's like you are the, the sole person that's responsible for it living or dying every single day. So that's the reality of, uh, of your day is that you're constantly, you're constantly in a lot of times survival mode or what feels like survival mode. Yeah. 
And do you do you get do you get sleep? <laughs> I I did last night, so <laughs> so yeah, I I do get I, I get uh, sometimes there's you know great days or great weeks, and sometimes there's uh, bad weeks and uh, bad days. But yeah, it's, uh, sometimes it's like you know I, I can't sleep uh, mostly just because I'm I'm trying to figure out this one problem and it's bugging me. I'm like that's what's going to make you uh, better is because you're in survival mode survival instincts kick in and you start thinking about things that you wouldn't had you had that plan B once again, not plan B for the business, but plan B outside of the business to fall back upon. But being, being in survival mode is, it is crucial for your business to always have that mentality. Yeah. And, um, if you can travel to day one of your startup and have 15 minutes just to have a conversation with yourself and all the lessons you've acquired to this day, you're able to kind of tell yourself about those lessons to save you the heartache. Yeah. What would that be? Uh, I think I would, you know, there's there's a few times where I spent money specifically on development. And I think I would just go, hey, just don't spend that money. There's cheaper ways to do it. That That's probably the only thing. But the... I do believe that just like as we kind of talked about earlier, that failures uh, is it's imperative for us to grow. I think that there's nothing else besides that I would really change. I've made tons, uh, tons and tons of mistakes, but it was necessary for me to grow and kind of get to where we're at uh, in in almost every aspect. Now we're getting close to the end, but I, I wanted to ask, what piece of advice would you give current college students or college graduates uh, that are wanting to become entrepreneurs. Yeah, yeah, definitely do it. Uh, make sure that's something you're passionate about. Passion has to be there. So because people that do things, uh, I, I'm a total believer that people that work for money, you know, that do things for, and it goes back to even to glamour, they will ultimately fail or quit or most likely fail or quit. Um, people that do it because they love it, they would do it for free. To me, I, I could trade every single day in the stock market, talk to the stock market all day, every day. It, it's like it's like my football. So people have their football, they have their X amount of months. My my season's twenty four, you know, <laughs> go, goes all year round. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so so that to me is like I, I love talking shop, and it, it's a passion. I don't do it for the money. I don't do it for the for the glamour or the fame. I do it for the love of it. If you have something like that, whether it's even something like, something simple like vid- maybe video games mm-hmm. or cooking, yeah. you can make a ton of money. And this is where you shouldn't seek money. You know, if seek passions. Money will follow. That, that that's my I would say my number one advice yeah. uh, for college students. So, thank you. And then, do you have any mentors or people that you look up to that have maybe guided you or helped you through this process? Yeah, so I've had a few people uh, help me. So we have a few advisors uh, on our uh, board. It's a board of advisors that are, are helping us out. They're making introductions. They they give us tips. They they help us out. And there's actually two serial entrepreneurs that I would consider their, uh, them as advisors, even though they're not technically on our board of advisors. I definitely have uh, learned a lot from them. They've given me like key advice during key moments. So uh, maybe that's another thing. If if you're an entrepreneur, find someone that's doing something similar uh, or yeah. within that field and asking them. People, they'll do it for free. You will be surprised how much free advice there is. Anything, anyone that wants something immediately in return is not an advisor and someone that you should run away from. That's another thing. So, But people that are already doing it, it's definitely, um, definitely people that you want to be around. So then would you say... Come up, find your team, and then build an advisory board. 
I, I think the not even uh, find your team. I think just really even, you know, cutting that out before. So this is where the last thing you want to do is try to, at least in my opinion, is talk people into doing this. Uh, I, I apply this with, uh, my, with my advisors. I've done this with my entire team. It's where you're in a position of, of power um, where you have something they want. So yeah. we've, so all of our, all of our employees, for example, have joined our team after almost some of them asking us for over several months, some of them just a few weeks, but this is where I, I was looking to see, okay, who's the person when the things get tough where everything goes wrong, that's going to be there, you know, uh, be there and I can count on. So uh, I would say don't build your team first, but just start doing it and start building it because people will get, people get attracted to success. People want to jump on the rocket when it's about to take off, not not try, not on the story. At least selling them on the vision. Right, that's true. I, I think that that's a good point. Uh, I've never, I've, I haven't heard of that before. Yeah, and it's like a trap. You don't want to get them just on the success piece of it. You want to let them know where you know. Yeah, you can I, help I, with. Yeah, so so I'll even give you another example. So I got two uh, two coders that are PhD candidates from Purdue. So if you guys don't you know Purdue is a great yeah. school, they're it's actually ranked right next to Harvard on as far as their computer science program. Oh, wow. But I was able to attract such incredible talent because I had built already a massive following, a Facebook group. We'd built some revenue. We got some business partnerships. If you're a person that's looking to go into a tech startup, the chances you're not going to be, you go talk to these guys that work at Amazon, Microsoft, the coders, the quality coders that you want on your team, they get approached with hundreds and hundreds of different ideas, but they will be attracted to you above anyone else by what you do. People, they, they want to jump on something that's ready to take off, not something they have to build up from the ground up. That's an, the unfortunate thing about people. So you got to be in a better position where they, it's almost like they need you more than you need them. Yeah, that's true. Is there any books or resources that entrepreneurs, potential entrepreneurs could look into? Yeah, I'm going to speak specifically just to applicable towards uh, tech startups. You know, to, to me, I'm not a big fan of life coaches. I think, you know, life coaches are... And I don't want it to sound harsh, but it's a great way to kind of encourage people without doing because people love to talk and not do. Not saying that that's true about all life yeah. coaches, but uh, I'm a big fan of like Gary V. I, I like Gary V. I think he's. I think people get lost in his message and thinking he always talks about grinding or nine to five. I think he. he I think he has a mess, a true message of happiness. Like, dude, if you're happy working in your nine to five, stick with your nine to five. Yeah. Um, so that's one, that's one person I like. Um, another resource is why, why combinator. Um, so yeah, so it sounds like you're familiar with them. Their YouTube channel, Paul Graham's essays are amazing, a great, valuable resource that will, I think will help you get in the understanding and the mindset of a, of someone that's in the tech startup. And, uh, the third one is, uh, is the book, the lean startup. So it's, mm. so have you read that? Yeah, no, but I've heard of it. Like the episode before you, uh, he's, uh, he was in Forbes 30 under 30 for education. Okay. And, uh, he also is all about lean. That's what we talked about in the podcast. Wow. How to make processes a lot more efficient and less costly for his business. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, I, you know, I'm sorry to say, sad, sad to say this. But I haven't read the book, but I'm starting to. So I got an introduction to the author Eric Reese. So, um, in fact, I'll, I'm actually meeting with him tomorrow 
to pitch him our startup. So hopefully, you know, cross our fingers, we'll uh, yeah, awesome. we can we can have that because having his name uh, behind us will be would be incredible. Wonderful. Well, that looks like that ends it there. Thank you so much, Ken, for coming on to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, wish you the best of luck on this business, and I'm I'm excited, hopefully, to bring you on in in the near future to see where where it's at. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you.